Hello and welcome to this week's Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio, and he's back from Italy. Yes. Yes. I'm Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon, and I did not get elected pope. (laughs) Breaking news. But he was there. I was there, and I was interviewed along with my wife by ABC7 in Chicago about um, the fact that we booked our our anniversary, our one-year anniversary of our marriage, at the same time that they were electing a pope, and it was uh, great fun. Yeah, so Jason was there on vacation, not on business. Not on business. The Beacon did not send anybody to cover the Pope, unlike some other outlets in the stuff. (laughs) Not us either. And we also have Joe Manny. With the St. Louis Beacon. Yeah, but Jason, you you know, we've been on the radio before, but on TV and uh, on, you know, commercial television. I know. You're big. big I know. You're a star. I I know. For sure, no. And and the thing was, I was uneasy about it because I didn't want to give the impression that I still live in Chicago, although I lived there for about 19, the first 19 years of my life. My wife lived there for about the first 25 years Uh or so, maybe a little bit less. Um, But they were desperate to look for Chicago natives because I, I could tell they were they were kind of tired at that point because they had been there when Benedict actually stepped down. Mm-hmm. So they'd been there for over two weeks. Yeah. So I'm guessing they were getting sick of the pizza and the pasta. Well, and there's a lot of outlets from here that were hunting for anybody from St. Louis, I yeah. think. And uh, and Dolan, who had been in there running the, yeah. the, the Cardinal from New York, apparently his brother, who's from here or something, was out there and was getting interviewed by everybody. You know, I'm in I enough B-roll of KSDK video already. <laughs> I don't really want to be interviewed by them. Okay. And I like KSDK people. You but. can add that to your bucket list. You're in the sleigh campaign flyers. and <laughs> Yeah, did you... Did did you mention the Politically Speaking podcast when you were being interviewed? So I did you drive not. drive up some traffic? Yeah. I did not. That's unfortunate. Well, let's, okay. give, let, let's give right down to it. Joe, you had a story go up this week that was talking about Prop P and, and the, main, the main drivers of this campaign of who's for it and who's against it. Do you want to talk a little? Sure. Who, who's, who's for it mainly? Okay. Now, first, Prop P is the so-called arch tax, which would raise money if it passes in the city and county to... Uh, redevelop the arch grounds. Well, only about 30% of it goes to right. that. Another 30% would go for uh, greenways, I mean, the bike trails and other stuff that's being built around the region. And 40% would go to St. Louis County Parks, in effect. A, a, a county bit, and city yeah, parks. Ca- county and city, but the bulk of it right. goes to St. Louis County Parks. Okay. So, that said, um, my story focused on the strategies. Jason's been covering the nuts and bolts of who gets what, but... Uh, Mine was just focusing on who's doing what. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is the Prop P people, they've employed some very um, uh, experienced uh, political consultants in the region. Shout out to Paul Zimich here, so who's also handled several other county uh, initiatives or ballot proposals during low turnout elections. That's his spe- that's become his specialty. So what they're doing on this is that they're not going to be running TV ads. I don't think they're going to be doing radio ads. They were kind of circumspect on that. Mm-hmm. What they are doing are flyers, mailers. And now, they these, have a lot of money to do it with. Right. Right. They've raised, in fact, uh, Civic Progress, which is the uh, makeup of the civic le- of the business leaders of the region's largest companies, has contributed over $700,000. So the bulk right. of the money is coming from them. And most of them are Republicans, by the way, which is the backdrop for what I'm getting to. So they're mainly doing flyers, uh, door-to-door stuff. They're targeting people who are 
frequent voters in low turnout elections and also people who have been identified from various groups as likely being backers of Prop P. I mean, mm-hmm. so basically, if you're somebody who um, doesn't vote very much in low turnout elections or isn't active in any of these groups, chances are you've got nothing in your mailbox. <laughs> if you're identified by any of these groups or a regular frequent voter, You've been getting lots in your mailbox, and you're going to get lots more. On the other side, um, St. Louis County Republican Central Committee has come out last week against Prop P because they think that it's unfair for people to be paying taxes to put some of it for a federal government park. Which and that's, is been what, a, that's been a common argument. Correct. It has. Because right. it is an unusual situation because there there aren't, there isn't precedent for a local dedicated tax going to improve grounds around a federal monument. So I think that's been an argument against it from the beginning. Well, now, now, some of it is land that's technically outside the government, you know. Technically, but property. not all of it. Correct. Correct. It's a mix. So I'm not taking sides on it, but they've been talking for years about trying to do something about uh, Mm -hmm. changing how the access and all that stuff. Well, the bottom line is the county GOP is going to go door-to-door. There's A lot of these township people will be going door-to-door, either physically or with their own mailers. Uh, If you check out our story on the site, um, I've got a copy of one of the mailers embedded in my story, so you can see what it looks like. The County Libertarian Party also has come out against it. As have Tea Party groups, correct? Yeah, as have Tea Party groups. Uh, basically, it's it's the anti-tax thing, but what what we, we mentioned before. Now, so for, for the moment, they're low pri- profile as well, and they don't necessarily have the money. Mm-hmm. But this could be—basically, you've got one group of Republicans bankrolling— uh, an initiative that is opposed by another group of Republicans. Yeah, That's right. the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. I mean, those those people who are against it, they may be going door to door and they may have that organizational muscle, but they're not going to get nearly the amount of money as they the pro side does. Correct. Just, there just isn't an incentive for a big donor to give money to an anti because Correct. it doesn't really do anything for them except give them the satisfaction of this thing failing. You know how, for example, if in an initiative, and this is going to sound Machiavellian in a way, but a lot of times, like if there's a ballot initiative that would constrict casinos, casinos would dump a lot of money right. to, to oppose it because it's within their interest to f- have it fail. There's not a similar situation there, and I think that actually Scott Ogilvy, an independent alderman from the 24th Ward, made that argument, not in that way, when we were talking about this uh, earlier this year. So, you know, it's a low turnout election, especially right. in the city. Because there's nothing really else except this on the ballot. And the mayor's race, but it really isn't yeah. a race because the Green Party candidate, no one's even seen him. But the county is a different story because there are municipal races that will get certain segments of, of different areas out. And, you know, one of the interesting things about it, because I have followed the process yes. of this from the legislature and to the various county governments, is there was almost scant opposition to this being put on the ballot in St. Louis County, when you would think that would garner the most controversy because some of the money is going to to the arch grounds. Um, But really, I don't think there was any opposition to putting it on the ballot from the county council. There were only like a couple of people who spoke out against. And then you look at the city. They debated about this for hours. There were people that were coming up there 
talking about how it was a bad idea. And they would probably benefit the most from this because of the money that's coming from the Arch, from the Greenway, and for the right. money that from for the parks. Although, as you mentioned, St. Louis County gets, I think, a total of $10 million. Six would go to the county parks and four would be given out to municipalities by a grant And that's why some of the municipalities, the Wildwood mayor, for example, called me earlier today. He was trying to get him on several issues, and he was saying that their, his, that their city council had voted in favor of endorsing the Prop P because of that very thing, so, because they're getting some money. So I've always said, I mean, it's easy to call this the arch tax because it's an easy right. shorthand. It's certainly better than the incredibly long committee name, which would take 12 seconds to read. Um, but, I mean, it, it is the majority of the money is going toward parks. And while not all of the projects um, that are going to be done with this money are going to cause, you know, celebrations throughout the land, a lot of it is infrastructure repairs. I mean, these are these are these are things that the people who run these parks say is well is really really needed right now, and um, I think that's going to be have an extra dimension on whether people vote yes or against it because the local parks are are kind of attached to it, and I think that those other things were put into this initiative to make it more palatable for people in St. Louis County because if it was just the arch and that was the standalone right. thing, and you had to get St. Louis County on board. I don't know if it would have passed. I well, really and don't. I think they know that too. And I think also, like the in St. Louis County, the county council, you know, backed putting it on the ballot, hmm. and they haven't said that much since then. And neither has County Executive Charlie Dooley, other than he's for it. But I think on on several budgetary issues and other things, I think they're waiting to see what happens. Yeah, because as you well covered a year or so ago. There was a whole fracas over proposals to close some of the county parks, and I think that this this could be a source of revenue. It, to it help will be, it. and I think that uh, uh, Tom Ott, who runs the department, told me it'll be used for maintenance projects. It's not going to be used to expand the staff, as right. he told me. And I, I was reading an article a few weeks ago from The Call, which is a newspaper in South County. Steve Stanger, who we talk about a lot, has said that he voted to put it on the ballot but he wasn't taking a position on it, and he said that if it doesn't pass, this is not necessarily going to be a be-all, end-all right. for the park. So there is kind of a difference of opinion there. Um, but, you know, that that entire situation with the parks was explosive in 2011, and I think that it's going to be a major issue next year in, in either a primary or a general election, and this would give more money to the Parks Department. I think that's unquestionable um, and Ultimately, we'll have to see whether that is going to be enough to get it over the finish line. Yes. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, federal judge's ruling um, and then House Speaker Jones's letter to Attorney General Chris Coster about it. Jason, do you want to talk a little bit about well, yeah. what, the, what the ruling was? Uh, for Mosira. I, Joe yeah. wrote about yeah, about there's about several birth different control. rulings here, and all this is going on while the legislature. Yeah, the is legislature on is having a grand old time. <laughs> I saw tweet, spring break. You know, Jolie Justice is in Taiwan with the governor. I saw that Jake Hummel was doing some yeah, interior the work. Yeah, in um, I think that Eric Schmidt was uh, fulfilling a Twitter bet with somebody by sending an autographed picture of Scott Roop to his. Uh, 1,500th follower or something. So people are really having a good time. Well, I was talking about the birth control appeal, but yes. if you guys want to talk about Mosira well, first, we, talk we about can the... talk about that. Well, 
Um, MOSIRA is an acronym for this program that provided incentives to companies focused on science and technology. It was one of the only highlights of the 2011 session. special session, which was widely panned as just a disaster. And Jason and I lived there in Jeff City for almost a month. And <laughs> at the time, even after it passed, reporters looked at the bill and saw this contingency clause that said the only way this goes into effect is if this wide-ranging tax credit bill passes, which it didn't. Wh- which included the China hub stuff. Yes, but so, that died. That, so, yeah. so we were all like, okay, this isn't going to pass, so what's going to happen here? And everyone's like, well, contingency clause have, have been routinely well, struck down. And, and blah, I covered blah, blah, blah. the governor's news conference that day when yeah. he was yeah, after the legislative session, and that came up uh, about, the, about this clause. And he said that very same thing, saying and, that he was going to enforce it anyway, and he thought it could be worked around. here's the thing, it. though. Okay, that—, that while while it was touted as 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 a way to bolster economic development and get some of these startups capital, yeah, my Mosira is all the science. Mosira, it was panned by anti-abortion rights groups because they felt, rightly or wrongly, that it didn't provide enough protections against funding embryonic stem cell research, which they opposed. So that contingency clause was just like a huge target for them so when they, they sued. So they went to court. Yeah, so they sued. I mean, I mean, they wanted to get it thrown out because they didn't like it, but they saw that contingency clause as a way to, you know, achieve their aims. And the Supreme Court affirmed a lower court decision earlier this week that, you know, basically said that the contingency clause is unconstitutional. And because the bill would not have passed without it, then the entire bill has to be thrown out. Right. And, you know, basically that that means the special session of 2011 didn't even have that as an accomplishment. The only thing I think that ended up passing was this Facebook fix that was done uh, to fix a bill that had already passed. So now we can pretty much say with certainty that that legislative special session was completely unproductive. Well, so there may be an effort to try to get this rekindled, but it puts somebody like House Speaker Tim Jones in an uncomfortable position. Tim Jones has has been known as an anti-abortion, very strong social conservative. However, he supports Mosira because he supported the job creation and contended that there were enough protections in there. And because of his stance on it, actually, Missouri Right to Life had refused to endorse his reelection and because they I, were irked over it. I want to also note that, you know, Mosira, which is now this bill that no longer exists and didn't do anything, right. you know, was the litmus test for Missouri Right to Life right. in those primaries. And some people lost because they didn't get that endorsement. So now those people must be like, I lost an election over a bill that I that, voted for that now, that is now dead. doesn't exist. They, they just must be kicking themselves right now. So it's unclear, like, if uh, uh, Jones is going to be supporting a reintroduction or if what's going to happen. In the meantime, yes. and now we're shifting to the other yes. thing. Now we're, now we're organized. Because <laughs> now, now this all fits. Uh, it's like it's like uh, these little puzzles. <laughs> okay, there was another court decision late last week. This is right. lower court judge uh, Audrey Fleisig, who's a federal judge based in St. Louis, former U.S. attorney, by the way, uh, under when Clinton was in office. Uh, Fleisig ruled. Uh, Okay, this gets a little complicated, but the bottom line is the legislature passed in 2012 a bill which was sought by Jones that allowed employers 
and employees, but basically employers, so it's in employers, to refuse to re- to provide insurance coverage for contraception, abortion, or um, sterilization. Now, the governor had vetoed it, saying that the state already had a ban, I mean, already had provisions that said employers didn't have to provide coverage for abortions. But he was concerned about the contraception, but particularly the sterilization exemption, because some people might, a woman might need it for something and it wouldn't be covered. Well, the legislature overturned his veto. In fact, that was one of the first acts that Jones did after he became speaker late last year. Very dramatic veto override, too. Yeah, yeah, when Steve Tilley stepped down early. So, okay. So, Fleissig rules that this bill um, conflicts with the Federal Affordable Care Act, Mm -hmm. uh, also known as Obamacare, because that does require contraceptive coverage, and that federal law precedes state law, and therefore it's out. Now, this also uh, fight has involved right to life. In this case, they've been defending the bill, but now... There will be it'll be appealed and it'll be it'll be going up the ladder. But the bottom line is that first round, uh, the opponents of the bill won. So Jones sent a letter um, earlier this week to Missouri Attorney General Chris Coster, a Democrat, and called on him to make sure he appeals this court decision. I mean, the legislature has always been um, disturbed with, and this isn't just Coster. When Jay Nixon was attorney general, there were similar things. When there was fights over abortion bills, the Republican leaders often uh, were concerned that the attorney general, because they were known to back uh, uh, reproductive rights, that they weren't going to defend these restrictive bills properly. But anyway, Coster says that they're still looking at it, that they have a procedure in the AG's office before deciding what they're appealing and what they're not, and that it's in the middle of the process and that they're going to give it a um, solid look. Yeah, and Coster's a different—obviously, we talked many times about Coster used to be a Republican and turned Democrat, and he actually was opposed to abortion rights in favor of stem cell research. And I think after his switch, he basically— He's in favor of abortion rights now. Now he is. And it's not just the switch. There was also a bill that came up right before his switch that got PQ'd, and I think that was part of his disillusionment with that cause. So I think that's worth noting that his position on that issue is probably different than than Nixon was in general. And now another interesting, interesting thing is I talked to Jones. I had an interview with Jones on various issues, and this was one of them. And Jones was careful while while he has sent a letter, and 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 he put out some fairly fiery rhetoric, rhetoric regarding Fleissig, the judge. He was not using similar rhetoric to describe Coster, and he told me that he expected Coster to be very thoughtful in deciding whether or not to appeal. <coughs> and uh, the Missouri uh, Conference of Bishops also was called on Coster to appeal. But I thought that was interesting that Jones was not like on the attack when I talked to him. He was being very thoughtful and very conciliatory, saying he really hopes that Coster is giving due thoughtful to this and that his staff is looking at this uh, in a thoughtful way, which Coster says he is. So in this case, there isn't the usual barbs being shot back and forth. It's all very... So you're not sure exactly what's next on this. Now, this comes at the same time. Jones is a sponsor of another bill that's just got through the House right before the recess. 
that would allow medical professionals to refuse to participate in any procedures involving not just abortion, abortion, contraceptive, contraception, um, sterilization, unless it's an emergency thing, um, embryonic stem cell research, a whole host of things. And the governor hasn't said yet what he thinks of it, but uh, that bill passed the House by a veto-proof majority, got 116. Now, you've got some people, though, who are already saying that this court decision on this other bill could influence, especially in the state Senate, when they look at this, because they may see this is headed towards the same way being fought in court and likely potentially overturned. Uh, Jones didn't want to go that far. In fact, he says that he thinks because of this Fleissig court fight that this adds more importance to why the General Assembly needs to pass this other bill, which is he is sponsoring this other bill. So there's a lot of this going on. Yeah, I would expect that if that's vetoed. You know how last time they needed, I think, six or seven Democrats to to cross sides because a a couple of Republicans took a walk on that bill purposely because they were mad at Missouri right to life. And there was there was a you know a couple of other instances in the House. Now that they have 109 in the I, House, I think it would be easy to override something like that. In Not the, easy, but I think it's possible. Yeah, because they got 116 votes in favor. But there may be some people wavering if once because of this court fight that's now. Now the uh, the other key is going to be in the Senate whether. Yeah, they let this go, knowing that in the House it could actually have a veto-proof majority. So they might there might be a filibuster for it. Exactly, exactly. So there may be uh, a filibuster, and there may be an argument to some suburban Republicans who we've mentioned before in the Senate who are going to be on the 2014 ballot who are kind of walking this fine line. Uh, and so that'll, well, that'll be interesting, something to watch when they go back in session next week. Well, guys, I was planning on announcing my tell-all book about <laughs> the Missouri Senate race, but apparently I waited too long <laughs> You've because been it's all a buzz rats. about somebody else who's writing a book. I, I Have you ever know. heard of her? I don't know. Maybe she, she would have been a footnote in my in my tell-all book, maybe. Yes. But yes, the the Twitter. What do you call it? Twitter town. Twitter town. Twitter town yeah. has Twitter sphere. I don't all, know. All a buzz. Uh, this week, but Joe, you, you you've written about this in the past. Yes, right? I I have not made a big deal about it, but I've made reference to it in earlier stories on our site that she was writing a book about the about the 2012 race, which aside from the presidential race was arguably the most closely watched contest last right. year against Todd Akin. Do you guys remember him? Yes. Yeah, we we spent like. 12 straight weeks leading with, <laughs> with Aiken. And yeah. former Post-Dispatch uh, Jefferson City Bureau Chief uh, Terry Ganey, who also has done articles, freelance articles for the Beacon over the years. And he's for- also a former Columbia Tribune staffer. Mm-hmm. We Both Joe and I have both worked with him in yeah. different capacities. And he's involved. He's He's been involved in um, helping the senator write the book. And I talked to her a few weeks ago about this, and she mentioned it. You know, confirmed about Terry, Terry's involvement. As I said, I haven't made a big deal about it because to me, I don't make a big deal about a book till it comes out. But I have mentioned it in passing. Um, and uh, but she, you know, says that she's going to be giving her perspective on this. Actually, I have to be careful about this because I've already been interviewed by Ganey a few months ago. Um, so they're uh, on at least my recollections and stuff. I don't know if anybody, any of it will make it in the book. There's probably yeah. better stuff. But it's fascinating. There, and now 
there had been some questions about whether or not Aiken would be writing a book. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I have not been able to get him to call me back. Hint, hint. <laughs> but um, he um, has... I've heard from other people that he has been considering it, but it's unclear if he's going to get around to well, it. I just want to note, because I think we're running out of time here. When I yeah. saw the reaction to this book, a lot of Republicans were derisively saying, my book is called How I Got Really Lucky or something yes. like that. <laughs> but I just want to note, and I said this after the election, and I think Joe and I know this from following McCaskill. McCaskill is an extremely shrewd campaigner. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't you, – you have ex- – she has – extensive experience running both for the Senate and statewide. And I think that the strategy that even before the the legitimate rape comment, you know, it was done, I think, fairly shrewdly um, mm-hmm. with, you know, the three different ads and most of the money going to attack Bruner and yeah. kind of doing those things. So, you know, obviously the legitimate rape comment sunk Aiken's campaign. It might have been closer had he not done it. But I mean, I think, oh, I think it would have been closer. I, I think, uh, I think that you know, McCaskill is is a heavyweight when it comes to campaign. She would have been highlighting other stuff he says, but whether or not it would have had the clout that this that the legitimate rape content uh, comment had, because the legitimate rape content, I mean, comment galvanized moderate women. Yes. And I think that was the huge—I've mentioned it on election night. There's about 140,000 people who voted for Mitt Romney and who voted for Claire McCaskill. Now, that's a huge shift, and I would predict that a huge chunk of those were women. And so—and then once that started, she really started emphasizing, and she's done it since then, emphasizing um, her uh, support among women and her support for abortion rights, stuff that she didn't emphasize as much before— and I also, in a be fairness, there are a few other great minds like that in Missouri politics, and that includes your colleague in the Roy Senate, Blunt. Roy Blunt, who among the Republicans is and her, his victory in 2010 was equally showcasing his his deft political skills. In as fact, well. he yeah he beat Robin Carnahan by about 14 percentage so, points, and it's very similar to what. Uh, we, we've we've said it before, and I think it's fair to say that McCaskill and Blunt are kind of the A team of Missouri politics because they they know what they're doing, and they've been in these high pressure situations before. They've both lost races before, and uh, I'll be I'll be very interested to read her book, not and not in a snarky or derisive way, because I think it will be an interesting perspective. And Ganey, Terry Ganey is is a you know, somebody who I deeply respect. Also an A-team person. So I, I think it'll be a, a good book. And he has written many books before. Well, she was definitely she was definitely lucky, but she set herself up to be lucky, I think, is the is the key takeaway. And then after it happened, she she handled it very well. She, yeah. She I mean, capitalized on it. The whole thing is to capitalize on opportunities. That's right. what a lot of life is about, showing up and capitalizing on those opportunities. Maybe that'll be the closing <laughs> sentence in the book. That's what life is all about, capitalizing on opportunities. <laughs> so, Opportunity knocked and I answered the door. <laughs> the end. Well, that's that's the end for our podcast here today, too. Uh, we'll be back next week, though. Probably more prop talk and we might. Other stuff? Other, other stuff, stuff on other, April other 2nd stuff ballot. Too. Other stuff, too. And the legislature will be back in session. And then, yes. and then after— And the governor will be back in this country. Oh, yeah. And then after that, there's no more elections for until June, Mo 8. Oh, man. So we'll, we'll just talk about wonky political stuff <laughs> and policy stuff. Well, that'll, that'll be a few weeks away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, you can you can read all of our stories. Um, you can read my stories at stlpublicradio.org, and you can read Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. You can follow me on Twitter at, at csmcdaniel. Jason, you're on Twitter also. You're on Twitter Town as well. Jay Rosenbaum. And Joe? Uh, Jay Manis. J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. All right. Well, enjoy some NCAA basketball. Cheer on the Tigers tonight. Meh. They'll they'll need it. <laughs> They're not going Come. anywhere. <laughs> they can go to the second round. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. Let's just let's just uh, get real. Yeah, they're not making the, it Hoosier, the, the Hoosiers round. are taking it. I, are you a Hoosier yes, fan? Yes. Well, I, I'm. I grew up in Indiana. Yes. I, I'm picking well, the Hoosiers. Louisville's and uh, winning my bracket. Okay. We'll, okay. we'll <laughs> see. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. So long. Go Hoosiers. <laughs>